0: It's time for my one, two, three cents of a podcast on the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network. Give me the hell yeah! Now, here's your host.
1: The man is also a very long, dear, personal friend of mine. Does the guy have a name? Yes, he has a name. Kevin
0: Huntsberger. Woo! It's time for school, but you're not going to be saved by this bell. Established in 2016, Stride Pro Wrestling trainers have put their years of experience to help train the next generation of professional wrestlers. Nearly a dozen students have graduated and are now making a name for themselves, not only here at Stride Pro Wrestling, but beyond. Our athletes aren't locked into any long-term contracts, so, if you want to train, use your head and contact Stride Pro Wrestling today. It's training you'll flip for. So kick your future into high gear now. Hey friends, welcome to episode 431 of the My One Two Three Cents podcast. I am your host, Kevin Huntsperger, and joining me this week. Live and in person from uh, Southern California, it is Chad Smart, the host, the founder, the proprietor of the hashtag PCPN, the Positive Cynicism Podcasting Network. Chad, welcome back to Southern Illinois and the My123Cents podcast.
1: Oh, it feels like it's been weeks since I was (laughs) last on the show.
0: It has been. Of course, my (laughs) co-host for Movie Mania. We are not talking movies, but instead... Some random thoughts on the world of professional wrestling. And first and foremost, uh, you came into town uh, for the long Memorial Day weekend, and we actually consumed a lot of wrestling while you were here. Went to Cape Girardeau for some Cape Championship wrestling. Got to see our buddy Dalton Anthony. Got to Raz him, harass him a little bit, boo him, and then talk to him a little bit after his match. So uh, what would you think? This was your first live wrestling indie show. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to count the stride show that you were kind of a backstage interviewer at because this was like a, a, an event where there was a, a lot of folks involved, a lot of fans, and, and really you were there as a fan and not kind of working, so to speak.
1: Yeah, and I think this was my first show my my first wrestling show with an audience as a fan since you know wrestling pro wrestling show last i think february Mm. february or march i can't remember if they did got a show in before covid shut everything down so you know it was fun to be there it was um you know i'm not that familiar with the cape uh roster so i don't want to um be too critical because again i don't know People, So it's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, for me, it's one of the weird things with wrestling where when you don't know someone, so you don't know how to react, you don't know right what's... And, you know, we're often critical, or at least I know I am, when watching wrestling matches and you see the same... Wrestlers do the same move in the same sequence every single match, mm-hmm. but I guess there's a reason for that. And so the fans know when to pop. And, yeah. You know. But no, I had fun. Uh, yeah, there was some good... Uh, I think KLD probably had the biggest impression on both of us, where he just, and I mean that in the sense that he was the biggest impression, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, it it was a nice indie show, I think the crowd was hit or miss, depending on the matches, but, um, you know, like I said, it was was my first time seeing Dalton wrestle in person, because of the stride show, he had taped his match prior. Oh, that's right,
0: that's right. So it
1: was my first chance to see him, and uh, we got to see Mr. 100 wrestle, and, he finally gets his revenge, I guess, next month at the Escape yeah. show on uh, a long-running feud. And uh, we did see Asa, um, I can't think of Asa's last name, but so we'll just call him the five-star man, Asa. <laughs> Gray. Gray. Um, in the crowd, I did not get a chance to talk to him, I was a little disappointed, but when we were leaving, he was behind a table sitting with people, and I didn't feel like interrupting. But, you know, those are the guys from Pro Wrestling Unscripted, which you can find on your podcasting catching devices, or at least over at Podbean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it was, it was good. It was a good chance. You know, it's just nice to be back amongst people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nice to be out. And that's also leaving California. It's nice to be out and doing things. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, not able to do that quite yet in California. Uh, you mentioned Cape Championship Wrestling next month. Also happening next month, Stride Pro Wrestling returns to Carterville on uh, Saturday, January. January, wow. <laughs> Saturday, June 12th, pardon me, uh, that show again happening at uh, the Stride Building in Carterville. You can check out Facebook.com slash Stride Pro Wrestling to get ticket information and all that good stuff. So uh, uh, many more events coming for Stride. I'm excited. Uh, some of these fairs and festivals are returning. I know we're going to be heading back to Rent One Park in Marion on uh, Thursday, September 2nd. Another big show happening in Pinckneyville coming up in October, and some special guests that uh, are going to make uh, quite an impression, I'm, and I'm excited about that. Uh, I don't think the cat is out of the bag yet on that one, so I'll wait and let Jerry Travelstead make that announcement. But, um, you know, I, I titled this show, as I, I mentioned earlier, Random Thoughts, and, and we're going to just kind of, we don't usually talk a lot about current modern day wrestling uh, on my one two three cents anymore, it's more retro and and. Things from the past, but I, I wanted to have a conversation with you about AEW all elite wrestling. I'm someone who not not really online, but you know, between you and I talking, and and probably I talked to you about this more than with anybody else, and I, I have you know probably been unfairly critical of AEW and And I don't watch the product every week, but I also don't watch Raw and I don't watch SmackDown. And it's not because I I don't like the product or I find anything boring. It's Part of it is time and part of it is just, you know, some nights we're just not in front of the TV. And I do watch a lot of the recaps and I I do keep up with the product and know what's going on. But uh, watching the all-in, no, I'm sorry, Tonight Was Double or Nothing... All in was the pre show. All in was the pre show, yeah. Sitting down and watching uh, the pay per view, and, and you know, and I felt like they did a good job with the all in pre show of doing the little recap packages to where I I wasn't lost watching and, and I knew the players involved and whatnot. But, um, you know, I thought it was overall a really good show. Um, there were a few things that I would tweak and probably, I, I don't want to call it a disappointment, but I, I would say the, the, Stadium Stampede was a little overdone in terms of the length and, and the amount of participants and oh. some of the camp, you know, it, it just didn't feel like it went with the rest of the show. And, and maybe that was by design. I don't know.
1: Could be. Yeah, I think it this one was hurt by trying to top last year's Stadium Stampede. Mm-hmm. And I think the, as we discussed during the show while we were watching the match is that you had 10 guys and they all kind of went off in their own direction. Mm-hmm. And then when one would cut, like two guys would fight, and they would get to a stopping point, and they would cut to two others, and they would just be starting their starting fight. Starting their fight, yeah. So the match felt, to me, felt a little disjointed in yeah. that regard. And it just seemed, you know, as we've seen over the last year with cinematic matches, it's, it can be very hit or miss. Mm-hmm. And I, think, I think last year's was helped by being contained onto the field where this one went all over the stadium. Yeah. And then at the end, you know, it basically came down to Sean Spears and Sammy Guevara mm-hmm. in the ring. And that's the finish. And the finish was fine. And, and it's good to see Inner Circle staying together. But, yeah, I, I felt overall it was it was fine. But and my problem with, you know, my biggest problem with AEW pay-per-views is that four hours long, it's just a bit... It, it, it kind of wears out its welcome yeah. a little after the three-hour mark.
0: And, and, you know, we're, we're two guys who sat in many stadiums over the years with WrestleMania mm-hmm. being there six, seven, eight hours, yeah. I think, sometimes. So, uh, you know, I, I, would, I would give AEW credit for the fact that they only do four pay-per-views a year. I think it's only four. Mm-hmm. So, it, it's not, you know the commitment is a little long and and like we kind of joked during the show they don't do the recap packages so there's really not a good time to run to the restroom yeah. Yeah. or to go to get snacks or whatever so um in that regard but i thought overall the presentation you know i i will never knock the work rates of yeah. of WWE shows NXT uh, AEW you know everybody you know gets in there they bust their asses and stuff mm. for you one match that maybe stood out or match of the night for you, what, what were you looking for going into this? Or, or you know, we kind of talked about some of the, I, and I don't want to call them disappointments because yeah. there are minor things with the stadium stampede, but what what really kind of stood out to you tonight that you walked away
1: with? See, a show is four hours long. Yeah. My memory is four <laughs> minutes long. Yeah. So I think my biggest takeaway was the women's title match. Yeah. Um, which I'm glad Britt Baker won, yeah. But I felt like that match was never in doubt. Like, right. It just seemed like the logic, and I think AEW is very good at knowing when to pull the trigger on something. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, at times TNA or WWE would be like, "Well, this is what everybody knows is going to happen, so let's not do it. We're going to wait." Yeah. And and so I just felt like something was lacking in the women's title match. And I think it was just that suspension of we knew it was going to happen. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the match itself is fine. I you know I don't want to say that that it wasn't wasn't a good match. Yeah, it was just kind of anticlimactic when you expect it to happen. Um, so I'm I, you know I'm thinking back. I think for me probably the best match was the tag title match with the Young Bucks and Eddie Kingston oh. and John Moxley. And yeah, that, you know I I am a huge Eddie Kingston fan. I've been wanting him to get on the big scene on the big you know stage and seen by a lot more people since even before he won the Chikara right. championship. So it's good to see him finally getting that recognition. But that was one where I could buy into. Like, I don't know which way they're going to go with the yeah. finish. So that one was good. I And, yeah, I think overall, uh, you know, I would say there's probably only one match that was disappointing, and I'll let you um, just guess amongst yourselves. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I just keep thinking maybe it was all just a dream. I don't know.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I... I, I agree with you. The tag team title match was great. The women's match was great as well. I was pleasantly surprised because I'm not a huge Kenny Omega fan, and I know people are probably going to uh, hunt me down. That's okay, and, New and, and, Jim Ross. Yeah, and want my uh, yeah. At least I'm not the guy calling <laughs> the matches, but um, I, I do love Pac, as we know. I've met him before. Did you know that?
1: <laughs> you should tell that story now. I don't think I, I, any, I don't think your viewers know that. <laughs>
0: These are listeners. Whatever. (laughs) But, uh, uh, you know, uh, and Orange Cassidy, you know, people have been very critical. I think some wrestling fans have been very critical. I I like Orange Cassidy. I like it's different. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Again, I view wrestling as kind of like going to the circus or there is something for everyone. And, you know, I get that Orange Cassidy may not be for everyone. Like Kenny Omega isn't necessarily for me. So, you know... I, but i did like the ending i thought it was it was cleverly uh, put together there with the end um and uh again that was one of those that we both kind of expected omega to win that one and mm-hmm. uh he certainly did and and I, you know uh, again overall uh, i would definitely give the show two thumbs up i thought it was 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 well done mm-hmm. and uh, you know there were a few spots where we're like okay whatever but uh yeah again and i i do take back some of my criticisms, because I felt like with, or I feel like with AEW, because I am a WWE loyalist, even though, you know, I I get it, I know the product is boring and bland to some people, and and we talked a little bit about this uh, the other day in the car going to Cape for uh, the Cape show, but, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, sometimes I feel like WWE's biggest problem is they stretch things out way too long, and with AEW, I feel like it's sometimes fast-tracked, and we don't get enough of a build for it, so... Um, because I didn't really get or understand the story behind the triple threat match for the heavyweight championship, but even, you know, as I watched the show and it kind of unfolded, I I, I got it and I and I understood it, um, and I you know definitely uh, you know not wanting to disrespect anybody, but I also think part of the problem with today's wrestling landscape is even though we as fans are getting AEW and Impact and. Uh, WWE and NXT and MLW I, I think in some cases it's almost too much and now mm-hmm. AEW is about to present another uh, show on TBS uh, as as IMP or as uh, Dynamite also gets ready to move to TBS do you think that the the wrestling landscape is is too saturated right now with with shows or do you think You know, AEW can work this to where – because I know they have Dark right now and they have Mm -hmm. Elevation and, and of course, Dynamite, their flagship show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Will this – and I don't remember the name of this new show, but – Rampage. Rampage. So will Rampage – you know, are we going to get too much? And, you know, Mm -hmm. because then – you start kind of playing by the rules of the networks and you know, people are always critical of WWE because of raw being three hours. And I, you know, again, I think that's more of a USA decision than it is a WWE decision. So when you get involved with these networks and then you kind of start playing by their rules, does that hurt the product? Do you think?
1: I, I do think there is oversaturation in the wrestling landscape. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, you know, because you throw in IWTV as well, mm-hmm. independent wrestling television, uh, the app, the uh, streaming service, and you know, I I think the fact that we have wrestling on every single night of the week, and and on the weekends are your independent shows, and um, I just you know I I'm with you where I like I don't watch Raw and SmackDown anymore, and mm-hmm. part of it is because I don't need to, yeah, because everything that they're doing is going to be on the pay per view mm-hmm. or the Network exclusives, right? You know, whatever you want to call it. So there's really no WWE doesn't give me a reason to have to watch their weekly show. Whereas I think AEW does a good job of building up to it, and then uh, building up to their um, specials or their you know pay per views and whatnot. And I think Impact is probably the best that Impact has been in many years. But again, it's just that point of okay, do I want to sit down and watch another two hours after I just got done watching two hours last night. Right. But, you know, if I have anything else going on. And, you know, and I think we we were talking about it maybe on the drive to Cape where the indie scene too is now, I just don't feel like there's anybody out there that I'm really jazzed about mm-hmm. seeing. And even though I have more access to see them, you know, I don't have to buy DVDs and follow any promotions you know that was more, it was more challenging when I was following Chikara in early Ring of Honor, and mm-hmm. you know, and we didn't even mention Ring of Honor also has television that you can watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I feel like, and maybe this is my disconnect from the wrestling landscape. I don't think there's any. I don't know anybody. I mean, we saw Warhorse at the Cape Show, and yeah. he's the guy that I've seen, you know, hyped up on on social media, it's yeah. the same with besties in the world. Yeah, but when I've seen him, I'm not like. Overly impressed. You know, when I go back to the early 2000s or the mid-2000s, when you had AJ Styles, Kevin Steen, El Mm -hmm. Generico, Claudio, or yeah, Claudio Castanelli, Chris Hero, Eddie Kingston, you know, all these guys that I'm like, man, I really want to see them. But let me
0: ask you this. Did you really want to see them at that time? Or was it because then they got that crack on Chikara or Ring of Honor? And then they, they, you know, kind of broke through and and then WWE brought them in. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think so. But no, I wanted to see I you know, the guys in Jakarta like, I like I liked them in Jakarta. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see them be bigger than Chikara. You know, I didn't want to see them leave because I was yeah, I always wanted Jakara to be there. Yeah. And and I know when they had kind of a mass exodus it was like too much at one time. Because yeah. then you have to replenish and yeah. I think that's where the indie scene is at the moment where you know, when WWE signed like every major indie right. star and now it's like they have to build their roster back up and, and I don't know and uh, as we discussed it's just I think maybe I am not growing out of wrestling because again I'm very obsessed with it I watch it I breed internet it's just there's no one on a lot of shows that make me go like oh man I can't wait till the next month and watch them again and Yeah. Like, other than like I said I'm a huge wrestling pro wrestling fan I'm waiting for them to come back and guys like Darwin Finch who we've talked about you mm-hmm. know had on the show and uh Greg Sharp and uh, Jervis Cottonbelly those guys I, I like but I also like the weirdness of wrestling mm-hmm. pro wrestling That that's part of the draw whereas yeah. um, you know uh, Darwin and Jervis are part of championship wrestling from Hollywood okay which you can also I think watch for free on fight TV every week but I don't because it's just right it's another show to it's watch. another show to watch yeah
0: yeah, I get that. It, it, let me ask you about AEW, mm-hmm. um, and then we'll transition into WWE. Uh, you know, we saw Mark Henry yeah. be announced now as a new analyst mm-hmm. um, and I guess a commentator joining Paul White, who we know knew as the Big Show mm-hmm. in WWE. Of course, you've got Tony Schiavone and uh, Jim Ross and Excalibur and Taz. All all of these guys, mm-hmm. with the exception of Excalibur. Uh, have ties to WWE. We've we've heard their voices for years, for yeah. decades, yeah. Um, in some cases. Mark Henry, you know, the announcement, to me, it was, you know, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. I, it wasn't something that is going to make me want to watch or not watch mm-hmm. uh, this show. So do you think that AEW struggles with establishing its own voice in terms of not having the voice of WCW and the mm-hmm. voice of WWE for, for decades and Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross. You know, Excalibur is really good, I think, but he's the only mm-hmm. kind of a uh, AEW, uh, you know, non-WWE, non-WCW guy out there right now. Mm-hmm. D- would, would AEW be better off finding someone kind of, and I hate the term homegrown talent, but someone in that realm that maybe doesn't have that established or because now we have five or six established voices would it be better to bring someone else in to kind of pass the torch to eventually because these guys are all, you know, very well established veterans who have been around for a long time
1: mm-hmm.
0: is there anyone waiting in the wings or would they be better off if there were someone who could take that take those reins down the road
1: uh, yeah and that's you know probably one of my biggest I'll say complaints from when AEW announced, you know, from the start of the promotion is bringing in JR. Mm-hmm. and I, you know I didn't have a problem bringing in Tony Schiavone because I, it's been so long since he's called wrestling. And yeah. I think it was a chance to give him kind of a redemption story. Yeah, because those last few years of WCW, you know, he, I don't think he was happy there, mm-hmm. and and I think he was just doing what he was kind of told, and you know, the whole oh. You know, Mick Foley's going to win the championship. That's going to put butts in seats. Moments like gave him a chance to come back and and, and redeem himself. Yeah, as I just said, and so and you could tell that he really liked what he was seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim Ross, I think, is has a problem of if you hear him, you think WWE because he had been with WWE more recent than Tony right. Schiavone had been yeah. on TV. Even though sure. Jim Ross had been doing New Japan commentary, which I I. Never heard. I didn't watch any of those shows, so I don't know how he did in there. Um, Excalibur, I had heard on some PWG shows that I attended. And and I do think, like, having that fresh voice is very important. Mm-hmm. And, and not only that, but having a guy in Excalibur who, like I said, he's part of the, the PWG 6. He's been there. He knows the Young Bucks. He knows a lot of these indie guys that they were signing, you know, Pac and uh, um, among others. And I think if you have, have that so that you have someone who has a knowledge of the history of these guys, which is important to to new fans who maybe tune into AEW and don't follow the indie scene, yeah. to know that these guys do have sure. you know, 15-year history or yeah. whatever. Uh, you know, for me personally, again, going back to the my car preference, I would have loved to have seen uh, Ultramantis Black get a shot to come mm-hmm. in, although I don't know how his character would have worked. You know, But it would have been interesting to put him and Excalibur together because then you have two masked guys calling yeah. calling matches. Um Yeah, so I think... I I don't hate on JR like most of the internet apparently yeah. does, but I do think that if you are tuning in and you hear him, it is a double-edged sword because, one, it's a voice that you recognize, so you might get people to tune in or to stop and listen. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it just then kind of equates... AEW with WWE in the mindset of wrestling is wrestling and there is no difference in, mm-hmm. you know, different promotions. Yeah.
0: And, and on that same vein, you know, uh, we mentioned Mark Henry and, and, and Paul White, mm-hmm. a.k.a. The Big Show, being those voices. But we, we've seen some talent coming in, too, with Christian Cage um, and, of course, you know, John Moxley, Chris Jericho, all big parts of AEW, mm-hmm. but they were also big parts of WWE in the past. And and there is speculation and, and whether or not it happens or not, you know, you've got guys like Daniel Bryan and, and apparently, you know, we just saw, you know, the April 15th day where they release a, mm-hmm. a bunch of talent and there's speculation that the Iconics, for example, will show up in AEW and do those, you know, uh, you, you don't want to completely, Keep WWE talent from going to yeah. AEW or to Impact. And I know for a long time, Impact TNA was was criticized uh, for that. And I think part of it was for the usage and whatnot. And, and I would say if I'm critical of anything with AEW, it has been kind of in, in a tongue in cheek ish kind of way. But, you know, their TNT champion, for example, you know, all of them, with the exception of, of the current or, or former champion, um, I almost called him Darwin Finch, uh, Darby <laughs> Allen, which mean. I think you did that when we did the podcast, didn't you? Oh, pro-
1: probably. I don't know. Um,
0: but anyway. Oh, well, I
1: was called him. Uh, are you're you talking about when we interviewed Darwin? Yeah. No, I call him Dexter Roswell. Dexter. Because that's he's right. The point he's the punk rock Point Dexter, That's right.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, you know, a lot of their champions are, or former, former mm. champions are former WWE guys. But anyway, I guess the, the point that I'm getting to with this is. We, we see this talent jumping from mm-hmm. WWE to AEW. Do you think, because allegedly, you know, the work environment is so stressful and so scripted and so mm-hmm. corporate in WWE, but will we ever see anyone, big name-wise, mm-hmm. go from AEW to WWE?
1: I think eventually we will. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think just the law of averages says that someone is going to break out and then get offered a lot of money. And, you know, we... I don't want to speak for wrestlers that I don't know and I don't know what, and I you know know what everyone's aspirations are but growing up WWE was the big thing mm-hmm. and I think there's still some I, I would think with any wrestler just to say okay even if it's only one or two years if I can get to WWE if I can wrestle on Wrestlemania mm-hmm. then that's would be a big moment not yeah. that I have to make a career out of it Yeah. Um, but I also think that uh, as far as wrestlers going to AEW or AEW signing, I think the biggest complaint with TNA, TNA or Impact was they would sign someone and then they would be champion within like a week or mm-hmm. two. And I think you can... It's not wrong to sign, you know, an ex... You know, someone who's been with WWE because people need to work. And, you know, if if you're a talented wrestler, then why not? Why... Why punish someone just because they were somewhere else first mm-hmm. and I think there are ways, again, as long as you're not just bringing in every cast off from WWE and putting them into a high profile position
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's nothing wrong with it but but when you get to that point where you can't distinguish between between companies because guys are jumping, when yeah. jumping so far, that's when um or your focus is only on guys who wrestlers that have made their name elsewhere.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's important. And I think that, uh, AEW does a, a, a pretty good job of, mm-hmm. you know, still looking for that young talent and, and, and building that, you know, Darby Allen, for example, mm-hmm. Britt Baker, um, as we, we talked about, uh, earlier in her match. Um, uh, I feel like they're, probably utilizing some of the former wwe guys better than they were being utilized Mm. in wwe which is why they you know obviously wanted to make the jump and again we don't want to speculate or you know talk about this that or the other but Mm -hmm. you know i i feel like i i saw a headline today and i and i didn't click on it but miro was quoted as saying tony khan is not my boss he is my friend Mm. um i think that's great that that there is that alternative in that work environment where it is a bit more relaxed and whatnot. But I also, playing devil's advocate, mm-hmm. I, I would suggest that the secret to WWE success, and when I say success, I'm talking long-term success as a billion-dollar company now, uh, is that there is that structure. That there is someone there who is the boss, who plays the bad guy mm-hmm. when, when that has to be the case. And I don't know, you know, because it is... You know, we're, what, two years into AEW being a thing. So we don't know what the long-term impact, I guess pun intended there, is going to be for that company. But, you know, I I can't imagine, and I I don't know how Tony Khan is as a a boss. Everyone that has podcasted and talked about him says he's a great person. But will there come a time where he has to, you know, become the bad guy guy. and then you know how will that work and and whatnot so um i i think that again i i wish them all the best of luck i i think that you know giving guys more freedom and and not scripting everything perhaps as much as wwe does it but Mm -hmm. still knowing that there needs to be that balance because Mm -hmm. you don't want everyone going into business for themselves um Because there has to be some sort of balance, I think.
1: Yeah, and as we pointed out during watching the Double or Nothing show tonight, I think there may have been, like, one match that didn't have some variation of a stunner Mm -hmm. thrown in there, and that's, you know... Again, I remember when a stunner was finished a match, and it was a big thing, and now it's just like, oh, it's a random transition move. Again, that's part of, I guess, wrestling evolving and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I think... It's great that, you know, if Tony Khan's a nice guy and he actually cares about his wrestlers and, and all that, that's that's awesome. But you have to ha- have someone to be a boss. And I know, you know, I've had this discussion with um, with people about just the corporate work, you know, and even when WWE laid off people and yeah. they cited, you know, budgetary c- concerns and the Internet freak sounds like, oh, you just made this hu- huge deal. Yeah. And you're. You know, Sashi but it's like, well, do you know everything about the business side right, of right. WWE or what their plans are? Or maybe they have, you know, in addition to launching the network, maybe they have something bigger that they have coming that we just don't know about because it's in the planning stage. But everyone on the internet knows everything. Mm-hmm. In that regard, I lost my train of thought. So.
0: <laughs> it's okay. So then, we'll go to the last talking point, okay. and, and it, it is something else that I saw on the internet, and uh involves uh, the retro side of things, I guess, and that's the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, who we've seen very recently uh, coming up on NXT. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I always loved Ted DiBiase uh, as the Million Dollar Man was one of those villains that you just love to hate as a kid. I was destroyed when uh, Andre the Giant beat Hulk Hogan for the WWF Championship mm-hmm. back in February of, of 1988 at the main event. Uh, Andre immediately surrenders the championship to Ted DiBiase, who had paid Andre for those services. And I, I didn't know this, but I saw you know one of the other podcasts that I listened to, uh, OVP, the uh, Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. They showed clips on on their Twitter feed of of DiBiase actually uh, being a part of a house show right after that, and had yeah. the WWF Championship with him yeah. at the time. Of course, on the syndicated shows later uh, that week after uh, Andre uh, surrendered the title, President Jack Tunney strips DiBiase of the championship uh, and declares it vacant, and we get the WrestleMania 4 tournament that the Macho Man Randy Savage goes on to win, of course. Now, WWE has never recognized Ted DiBiase as champion. I believe, and I should have looked this up before we started, I believe there's an asterisk or a footnote mm-hmm. with Andre winning the belt. Um, but never really officially acknowledging DiBiase as the champion. And and now there is apparently a petition drive out there to convince WWE to make it official and recognize Ted DiBiase. Now, I know at the end of the day, this doesn't really mean anything. We're talking about a fictitious uh, uh, sport, if you will. Uh, I'm not going to use the F word here because you and I have very passionate feelings about that. But... Um, I see absolutely zero harm in in making it official, and, and why wouldn't you? Because that was the story. It wasn't like you know back in nineteen ninety. I know the Rockers beat the Hart Foundation for the tag team titles, which it, I guess there were was an issue with the ring at the time, and and the match never made air because of that, and. The championship was never acknowledged. I get that. Mm-hmm. But this was the major storyline, which then led us to WrestleMania. Yeah. So uh, I think you and I are on the same page with this. But what what are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, yeah, first off, I don't think any internet campaign actually changes anything. <laughs> uh, so good luck. True, true. Uh, <laughs> um, but I also think I agree with you. I I can see back when it happened why WWE didn't acknowledge it. Yeah. Because at that time, title changes meant something. Yeah. And so for Andre just to hand him the to hand DiBiase the title they can say like, oh well Andre vacated and gave it up. Yeah. But you know we're now in a phase you know in an era where you know 1999 I think the title changed like 15 <laughs> times or 60 yeah. times in a year. So there's no that prestige I guess is coming. yeah. And you know I would be curious to look at WWE's title history to see you know, do they count to uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan finding the world, the WCW TV title in the trash mm. and becoming champion? And I think, same way, like, I think uh, Midian may have been the European title when he found the belt in Shane McMahon's mm. back and just started yeah. carrying it, you know? So it's like, are there precedents for titles just kind of appearing? Mm-hmm. And then you can say, well, they went on to defend it and whatnot. But, but D.B. was stripped of the title. Right. He didn't have the chance to. Yeah. Um, you know i say he, he's already in the hall of fame his his career's over pretty much it's not going to change right right anything why not give b you know it's not be fair to flair it's uh <laughs> blase to DiBiase. i don't know uh, um but yeah get just get just give him the title and then yeah. you know and then you can work that into the whatever story they're telling on nxt where it looks like they may be bringing back the million dollar belt yeah so.
0: Yeah, I think we both agree on that. I mean, Hulk Hogan's fifth title reign where he beats um or our fourth title reign, I'm sorry, where he beats The Undertaker yeah. and then gets stripped of it immediately yeah. because he used the the dirt from the or the or the ashes from the urn to beat The Undertaker at Survivor Series. So it, it it's all it's all in fun and and I get it and we hope that the million dollar man uh, is able to to Get redeemed there. So, Chad, anything uh, I, I know you've got some things cooking with positive cynicism? Anything you want to talk about before we wrap up this week's show?
1: Uh, yeah, we've got a new show coming out. I, I believe, as of now, unless things change, and uh, the fact that I don't think I'm going to get motivated to change anything is probably <laughs> not going to change, but it's a, it's a new uh, focus, a, a new show focusing on the 80s music scene, probably primarily on the 80s metal scene. It's called Nothing But a Good Cast and uh that's i we're doing I'm doing that with uh my fellow uh twitter hassler of you huh? <laughs> Jason skull you can find him on twitter at fifty one fifty skull and yeah we're just going to look at the eighties metal scene and and music scene and, and I've got some ideas on how to um you know topics to really delve into, and that will pair up with wonder why my one hit wonder podcast um looking at looking at one hit wonders where this year non-one-hit wonders that are mistaken for one-hit wonders. So, yeah, we're just doing kind of the music scene right now on Positive Cynicism.
0: I want one of the first questions asked of of Mr. Skull. Is the 5150 anything to do with the Van Halen album? That is on the very first episode. Oh! In our introductory... Have you already done it?
1: We've already done the introductory oh, episode, but okay. it, it hasn't been posted yet. It'll okay. come out... Uh I like I think next week. Okay. As this episode airs. So the first week, first full week of June.
0: Right? Okay. And I'm gonna I'm gonna put Chad on the spot here and get him to, to start posting more on his Positive Cynicism Facebook page, which I have a link to on this uh write-up already. So be sure to check that out and learn more about the Positive Cynicism Podcasting Network, the PCPN. And, of course, uh, out of Touchstone, Chad's other podcast with his buddy Mike DeKalb out there in sunny Southern California. Chad, as always, thanks for being a part of the show. Thanks for having me and letting me crash at your place when I come back. That's right. Anytime, my friend. And, friends, thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of the week, and we will talk again soon. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network.